Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Original Strength Podcast. I got my good friend and buddy, Mr. Alex Sockin, the Hebrew Hammer, back with us today. And today we're going to be talking about rolling. So, Alex and I are, are going to roll right on. Hey Alex, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. So hey, you just wrote a really good article about the benefits of rolling and you even had three often unused rolls or just missed rolls. Right. Anyway, I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, what are the benefits of rolling, Alex? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It's almost like we planned this out. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I would have been re- a, a little bit lost if you had not. Uh, well, before I answer that, one thing I want to say is, you know, for me, this is also kind of a, a nice occasion because the first, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first guest article that I ever wrote for Original Strength back in like April or May of 2013 was on rolling as well. I think you're right. I, yeah, I'll have to go back and, and double check. We'll check uh, the archives. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll hit the Wayback Machine and we'll we'll see what we can find. So it's coming up on at least seven years. Um, but I think rolling doesn't get enough love, particularly because of uh, all the benefits that, that come with it. And I think that it can be broken down into kind of like three categories. And this is very overarching. Like there's a lot more stuff. But if we want to be generic, we would say uh, it can be broken down into a couple different categories of why rolling is so important. And there's health, performance, and coordination. And, uh, you know, there's not like, w- let's say, one role for each of those categories. It's Again, it's, it's a blend. But if, if we want to try to extract uh, some of the major benefits from them, uh, from the rolling variations, that's it. It's health, performance, and coordination. I like it. So now I'm going to, well, I'm sure you were probably planning on this, but now since you said it, I'm going to pull it out of you. I'm going to try. Right. What, what would be a good role or ways to roll for health? I think if you if you could only select one, and this is you know the perennial like if you were stuck on a desert island and you only you know had a few items, what would you bring? Uh, the answer to that, by the way, is a satellite phone, uh, a <laughs> boat, and I, I never understood why people don't answer that, you know. But uh, but at any rate, <laughs> um, fortunately, you're not restricted in the in the rolling variations you can do for the most part. I mean, you know, if you have some sort of a, a restriction that prevents you from doing certain ones, that's a different story. Um, and for people who are wondering, well, what, what might that be like egg rolls, for example, or the rocking chair, as it's now more commonly called, I'm old school. So I still call them egg rolls. Um, they cause some people to get very dizzy because it's a lot of back and forth head movement. So that I think would be out, but I would say the segmental role is a good, like all purpose role because, um, it is by far, I think is the role that has probably the biggest overall impact on all three of these different um, categories, the health, performance, and, and coordination. So we'll start with um, the coordination part, because I think that is, we'll just go backwards. Okay. Um, so a lot of people nowadays don't get in much of what, uh, what fellow original strength instructor Sarah Smith likes to call middle movement. You know, so we basically got sedentary living all day we're sitting down as you and i are doing as we're conducting this interview um but we don't do it all the time Uh, and then we've got exercise but there's nothing like really in between and you know if you look back at uh, the old timers who are i'm talking about like strength training in particular the people who really stand out 
they got in a lot of middle movement as well. And, and middle movement, I think, keeps you more closely connected to the human developmental sequence. And, and middle movement is stuff like gardening or working with your hands or maybe, you know, home improvement type projects, things that keep you very physically active uh, and that are aside from exercise. Like, again, they, they, they work kind of well at, at keeping you fit, but it's not organized movement in the same way that exercise is. And um, as a result of this lack of middle movement, we, we kind of drift away from the, the subconscious lessons that our body gives us during the human developmental sequence. Because, you know, we don't think about doing these moves. They just happen very, very naturally. It's, it's really pretty subconscious. It's just ingrained within us. And um, the segmental role helps to kind of uh, hit all these categories, I would say, more or less equally well. And as far as coordination is concerned, um, the biggest thing that I've seen, I, I really, I would say 95% of the people that I've, I've trained uh, have a hard time with the head control portion of the segmental role because what they see is, you know, they're seeing like, uh, if, I, if I demonstrate it, they're not seeing my head moving. They think of it as a side effect of the hand moving. So they're thinking like there's this reach and then um, so they just reach with their hand and then they don't go anywhere. So to learn some of the coordination and how to coordinate movements of the of the head and uh, and the neck along with movements of the rest of the body, segmental roll you know gives you a little extra weight by helping you to to use your hand so that you can actually uh, you can have something to follow with your head. So like what I'll tell people, for example, is that like let's say um, you're doing you're, you're reaching with your forehead and your forearm at the same time and by by doing that you're getting back in touch with your body and you're learning how to coordinate your movement so learning how to coordinate movements of the head and the upper body and and uh, disassociate the movements of the legs helps you to get back in touch with the the normal uh basically the control of your body on a very on a very basic level right and likewise with the lower body you know you should be able to keep your upper body pretty much uh, you know, immobile and reach with the legs and have the legs do the work of pulling the rest of the body over. So, and, and you can do this uh, starting on your back or you can do it starting on your stomach and you can do it for either. And both of these, uh, let's say prone and supine upper and lower body roles. So we've got like four different variations right within there. Uh, all play a part in your gait pattern because uh, for the lower body, let's say you're laying on your stomach and you're reaching your leg behind you. Well, you have to extend your hip and reach your foot back as you're propelling yourself forward when you're walking. Um, likewise, when you're on your back and you're reaching with the, the, with the lower body, you have to reach one leg forward as you're walking. And then same thing with the upper body, you know, like you've got to reach with one hand forward as the opposite limb, is, as your leg, for example, is moving into extension. So one shoulder has to move into, into uh, flexion and vice versa. So all of that to say, you get a lot out of the segmental role and uh, part of it is obviously for performance, because if you can't walk well or you can't move well or you're very poorly coordinated, uh, your performance is going to suffer. But uh, for health purposes as well, because it keeps your body moving in ways that you're probably not moving it otherwise. A big part of that is definitely spinal rotation. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other stuff in there, too, like skin stimulation, which I'm sure we'll we'll go into uh, a pretty great deal. So. I guess go back to what you were talking about, Sarah Smith, uh, her thing about middle movements. Mm -hmm. I think universally, 
for everything, life happens in the middle. Like it, it's never yeah. on, it's never on the ends of the poles or in the extremes. And I do agree with you. I think the, that the segmental role is a great life health giving movement because it does make all those middle movements so much better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in addition to, to really opening you up for all those middle movements, all of which, you know, are maybe a few of which are, are standing in place, but a lot of them would have you moving from place to place, you know, like, again, there's gardening or home improvement projects or, or things that were maybe a little more common uh, in, in times gone by it really helps you to get back in touch with it. So, you know, most people don't really have a problem with uh, being with exercising, like people understand intrinsically what the value is. What they don't necessarily understand is the value of the uh, the developmental sequence. And if they do, it's like people go all in on crawling and they don't go all in on like anything else. Yes. Which I'm cool with because you know I think crawl, I crawl all the time. I love crawling. But some people are are uh, when they're first introduced to OS, they're like, oh well, you know, if it all builds up to crawling, I'll just crawl. You know. And all the other stuff I can maybe leave behind. So I found though, even with with all the all the the resets and all the developmental movements that we play with, as great as crawling is, and it's great, it makes you super strong. But it, for myself personally, it doesn't make me feel as wonderful though as just spending time on the floor rolling around, especially the segmental roll, especially oh, yeah. especially if I do a slow motion segmental roll. To me, that is the most amazing feeling movement that just it just makes the whole body feel good yeah I, I mean i really think that the uh rolling in general but the segmental roll in particular uh fills in so many gaps that the crawling doesn't and again this is not to denigrate crawling so i don't want people listening to think well i should stop crawling you definitely should not you should add rolling sometimes it's it's not about what you can reduce uh, subtract it's about what you can add to your training and and you know one of the things you don't really get much of with crawling is a uh, twisting and I, I really think that like universally, it's like twisting just feels amazing. Like we're yeah. just uniquely able to do it. And, and the slow segmental roll just helps you to kind of, I don't want to say language because that's not the right word, but it helps you to like uh, absorb that feeling of, uh, of, of twisting and rotating that you're not going to get in a lot of other movements. Well, it does naturally give you that rotation that we're designed for. And, yeah. and in our day-to-day -day life, living in those extremes like you were talking about, even in most people's, what they would be their middle movements, they're not doing a lot of rotating anymore. No, no, definitely not. I mean, and you can tell when somebody hasn't been doing much rotation because they, they just move old. You know, the, like the Chinese have a saying, you are as old as your spine. And so if you see somebody, and you can see visibly that they, that they look old from their exterior, but they move very smoothly, very gracefully. They don't appear as old. Like they seem like they're in much better shape and in much better health. And it's because they are. You know, like that. That really is like a linchpin in your in your overall uh, health and movement and and uh, you know everything in between. Have you found any modern day sports where you can tell that the athlete hasn't done a lot of rolling in? Like I'm thinking of one in particular. I'm just wondering if 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 you can if you're thinking about anything similar to that. Uh, well, you know, it's funny you should say that because like really, I think all sport or almost all sports that we think about traditionally have rotation in them. Like you think basketball, tennis, baseball, golf, um, you know, exactly. Um, I, if I had to say anything, it would definitely be like the, uh, the strength sports for the most part, like, 
powerlifting and and uh, Olympic lifting and and things like that. Uh, yeah, you're spot on it. And I was actually thinking the other linear sports, uh, cycling, running. Like I was thinking Ironman stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny too is that theoretically you should be getting plenty of uh, uh, rotation in running but most people don't like right. they run like their arms move their legs move and their trunk is like a brick so it, it doesn't really do them all that much good and and it's ironic because there are people if you ask people who do you think the fittest people in the world are they're like oh marathon runners but a lot of them don't look i mean they, you know that you can tell that they exercise but they don't necessarily seem all that athletic they can just kind of fall forward for 26.2 miles at a time and it's they're efficient not cool yeah, they're very efficient at it, absolutely. But but they don't necessarily. Um, but there's they're missing a lot of their movement on average. So, but yeah, I mean, 100% like uh, the uh, uh, Ironman type of things. There, there's just uh, all sorts of opportunities for for good movement that are I think sacrificed for the sake of efficiency. I mean, on a bike you really can't rotate, but you know, in running and and things like that, it's like. They're just trying to move as little as possible so that they can conserve their energy. The other thing you were talking about with the uh, powerlifting, I, I, th I think that's the other end of the, the athletic spectrum too, where they're, I mean, for what they do, they're great at it. But outside of that, they're kind of limited as well in their movements for sure. Yeah. Uh, Mark Rifkin has said, and he was a, uh, a high-level powerlifter for quite some time, and he said that the sport of powerlifting is basically sacrificing all other movements for the sake of three. Oh, you know, the wow. Squat and the deadlift. And, uh, and, you know, there are powerlifters out there who are also athletic, but they're athletic, I would say, in spite of their powerlifting rather than as a result of it. Um, Good point. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% true. And I, I have a, a friend in the Czech Republic who said that he hosted a, uh, a, ex an extremely well-known powerlifter who, I'm not going to mention his name because it's not all that important, but... Um, but he had a hard time getting up and down stairs. He had a hard time when he was demonstrating the bench press, had a hard time rolling off of the bench. Mm. Right. And, uh, but I mean, we're talking like one of the strongest men who's ever lived. Um, and this isn't to, you know, to denigrate him or his, or his efforts by any means, but a lot of people think of powerlifting as being like the be all end all for, for strength. But if you can only use it when you're laying down or, you know, perfectly wedged, uh, under a barbell or in front of a barbell, uh, it's pretty, pretty limited overall. And it's not to say you're not strong, but again, like you're, it's, it's kind of like, you know, in Indiana Jones in the last crusade, when Indiana Jones picks the right cup or the right Holy grail drinks out of it in the night, you know, tells him he's chosen wisely, but the grail can't pass beyond the great seal, nor can he, as I recall, that's because correct. that's, that's the honor and the price of immortality is that you have to stay there. Well, what's the point of being immortal if you've got to, you know, stay alone and you have no life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's the point of your strength if uh, if it's extremely limited in its use? Ah, this is deep. I like it. Um, Super deep. All right. So we've talked about the segmental rolling for overall health. Yeah. What would be a great role for overall performance? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, you know, the segmental roll, actually, we can start there and we'll, and we'll move outward because. Um, all right. There's, there are a lot of examples of this. So, um, okay, so first and foremost, I, I have to brag a little bit because I have a, a, a program that I wrote for the Turkish getup that uh, contained a lot of different rolling variations in it as well. 
And to me, the reasons seem pretty obvious. It's like, you know, the Turkish getup, like, again, there's, this is not an interview for original strength. If I don't mention Dan John, <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan, or five for five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Dan has said in the past that the Turkish getup would be so much easier to teach if we just called it the Turkish roll-up, because most people think of it as like a sit-up. So they're they're in their in their heads, they're like um, they're basically trying to do a sit-up with the with a kettlebell, and it makes it so much harder. Yes. And, whereas if you're rolling, it it allows you to kind of move uh, with the weight above you. So if you've got that part down, the rest of it, provided you have the mobility and the control is like right there, right? Uh, in fact, there is uh, there's a gal who's a strong first team leader uh, named Lauren Pack. And I remember a number of years ago, she talked about how she she could already do a getup with 24 kilos, which is like, and I'll get back to the getup business in a second here, but it, her particular story was that she could already do a getup with 24 kilos, which is like, like more than acceptable for a lady because it's 53 pounds for you American listeners. Exactly. 53 pounds. Right. And so what she started doing was uh, segmental roles, uh, as, as a major part of her training, which she had not, if I recall correctly, she had not done much of prior. And within, I think four weeks, she went from a 53 pound Turkish getup to an 80 pound Turkish getup. And the only difference, it wasn't like some, you know, complicated program that she did. It was that she was doing segmental rolls. And, and it makes perfect sense because the first stage of a getup, rolling to the elbow, is basically a segmental roll to the elbow. In yep. essence. I mean, there are, it, that's an oversimplification, but it's still true. Um, and going back to like what I was saying before, I had a, a Turkish getup program that I, I came up with as well. Uh, it kind of inspired by this and other stories that I've that I've uh, that I've noticed over the course of a few years, and I put in a variety of different rolling variations that I think would help, as well as a variety of different get-up variations, uh, you know, to help solidify the movement. And one of the individuals who went through the program, a guy named Karan Singh of uh, of India, went from a 16 kilo get-up to a 32 kilo. Get up. So 35 pounds to 70 pounds um, with it. And this is a three week program. I think he said he did it like twice. Three weeks. Took, yeah, it's a three week program. He did it twice. So it was in the first within the first two cycles, about six weeks. He went from 16 kilos or 35 pounds to 28 kilos or 62 pounds. And then he moved to a different uh, city. And so he kind of he didn't do much uh, training in between then. And then he decided he was going to he was going to repeat it. And uh, he decided, I'm going to try a get up to the elbow alone with a 32. And it felt really easy. So he just did the whole thing. And uh, so, again, just based on this, on this program, with, again, it was, it was combining rolling, uh, several different rolling variations with the Turkish get up. And, yeah, by the end of it, he, he, went, he literally doubled the amount of weight he was using. That's amazing. Which is, in, yeah, it's incredible. And particularly with a, a two-week layoff in there, you know. That's especially awesome. Um, and, and what's also very cool, because you think, okay, so rolling pairs nicely with a getup, that's that's cool. But the result of that is that he was also able to military press a 53-pound kettlebell for three reps uh, easily without practicing a military press. In fact, I think he said prior to the program, he had never even attempted anything heavier than 20 kilos or 44 pounds. So that, that's a pretty big jump. 
Uh, and but the most important thing, and this is where the blend, there's this, again, like a blend between health and performance. Um, his situation was because he makes guitars for a living. Um, he's hunched over and he's doing a lot of repetitive movements. And so uh, he when he would put any weight overhead, it could be a light within a day or two, his traps and his upper back would lock up because it was just, you know, the imbalances in his body made it such that his body just basically rejected this kind of movement. But because he got back in touch with these very basic rolling patterns, uh, everything started to change. And so not only did that lead him to being able to take to go from 35 pounds overhead uh, and, you know, possibly end up putting himself out of commission for a couple of days to putting 70 pounds overhead really with, with relative ease. And as a result of that, adding uh, in, increasing his military press without training it. So there's a lot rolled up in, in a matter of speaking, <laughs> pun slightly intended. There's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot rolled up in, uh, in proper movement. And when you re-engage in the movements that you were made to do, like you like to say, good stuff happens. And I think that's pretty good. You know, it's a, it's a pretty huge jump. Well, I'm sure, I mean, he had to be happy about that, right? Like, oh, yeah. that's, that's yeah. got to feel amazing. He was, uh, yeah, I can... I know we've, you know, we've all been there. Like you, you hit a PR that you weren't expecting uh, and, uh, and then you get a couple of other cool bonuses with it. It's like an infomercial, like, but wait, there's more, you know, and then you, you find out you can press heavier and you feel good and, you know, you, you can play with your kids and not worry about throwing your back out or, or whatever it may be. It's a pretty cool all-in-one package. But the wonderful thing about that is it's so like kind of mind-jarring because for both Lauren and, and that, that guy you're just talking about, it wasn't that they tried to strength train whatever those those lifts harder they were they just got on the floor and rolled around i mean that, which easy. is which is really easy <laughs> yes exactly that and it's it's almost uh counterintuitive because yes. you would think uh you know if i want to improve this i gotta i have to go a lot harder but so often and this is what people realize when they come to the original strength workshops or they do a clinic or they work one-on-one -on -one with an original strength instructor is that the way forward is not necessarily the path they were taking before. It might be one right next to it that's going in the same direction, but it is a lot easier. So it's like, you know, you wanna to get to some distant uh, location and you've got like, a, uh, let's say a really rugged and increasingly dense like path through a forest, or you can just walk on the, you know, the wooded path that they made above, you know, all the plants and stuff like that. You can have a nice, easy walk and you get there all the same, but one person's going to be huffing and puffing and maybe going to get all cut up uh, and maybe trip and, and stuff like that. And the other person gets to gets to go in luxury. And it's the same thing with, with your movement, you know, because your strength is built on uh, a certain base of movement. And when you lose it, you can fight against it, but it comes at a heavy cost, as, as a lot of people find from just lifting harder and harder or you know, doing uh, uh, all sorts of modifications to the exercises that they're doing, eventually you end up kind of painting yourself into a corner uh, in any case. Because if you have a hard time with the basics of, of these foundational movements, you're going to have a hard time no matter what. So if you want to make it easier on yourself, ironically, you have to do the easy stuff first and not the hard stuff. That's a good point. And like, so if if person A really just goes after it and they break themselves down trying to get to a certain goal and person B goes the more foundational route and they just make sure their nervous system's healthy and strong, 
if they both do reach their goal, person B is going to actually be able to go much further beyond that goal and do other things where person A might have to pay a price. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Exactly. You, you know, it's like you're going to have to pay no matter what. The question is, is it going to be in time spent doing the stuff that you've ignored or is it in time off? because you ignored your body and you ignored and you continued to ignore uh, the foundations that that keep you strong and stable to begin with. Right on. All right. So for performance, then we've got the Turkish get up or oh, okay. still the segmental roll. We've, OK, so, yeah, now that's the thing is, uh, you know, the, the Turkish get up or the Turkish roll up, as the esteemed Dan John would uh, refer to it, uh, it. It's it's kind of an example of an advanced rolling variation. And I, I remember years ago, you made a great video, too, where you showed the kettlebell windmill and the bent press are also kind of uh, advanced rolling variations because they contain this rotation. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure you can link it in the, in the description for people to watch it. But I thought it was I thought it was very good and it, and it made perfect sense. But I've also found that there are a lot of other uh, movements that can benefit from rolling as well. The one that is most obvious is definitely the segmental roll with um with the Turkish getup, just because again, there's kind of like an actual visual similarity. Yep. But then there are other ones that you you wouldn't really guess that they would help until you try them, and you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So a, a great example, and I mentioned this particular role in uh, my article, is the frog roll. And uh, I don't know, is that in the manual anymore? Yes, that's the best role ever. I love. Yeah, it. it's incredible, and people don't do it. It's like, you know, I, I've. I've coached a number of people through it and I, Oh, like that's the one that I always have to give the most coaching to it, it just for what, and, and it's not because it's overly complex. I mean, it's actually, it makes perfect sense because right. you know, it has the name of a role, but if you just say, Hey, you know, uh, look over your shoulder and keep looking until you're, until you're sitting down, then it, it makes it very easy. Right. But a, a lot of people have a hard time with that. And, and I, I think some of it has to do with, um, uh, still having a hard time with the head control thing, not realizing that, again, it's like the head is really what's driving the movement. And you really have to try to push the head in the direction you're trying to go. And then everything else just kind of falls into place. But nevertheless, uh, great move, uh, completely underutilized, underappreciated, um, but not underpowered. So my my colleague, Alyssa Dinital uh, in Pennsylvania, um, I walked her through some original strength resets a couple times. We worked together on, on this and she's, uh, uh, she was preparing to compete in a powerlifting competition last year. And, uh, she found that the frog roll helped her deadlift. Like you wouldn't believe she said it, she would do like frog rolls between sets of deadlifts and her deadlifts just felt like they got easy. And in fact, so much was that the case that at her competition, she became the Pennsylvania state record holder in the 114-pound weight class for the deadlift. Wow. And Now, naturally, it's not like she didn't deadlift and it's all thanks to the frog roll, but the frog roll played an integral part in being kind of like an assistance exercise uh, that was also like a refreshing and rejuvenating movement that kept her deadlift strong, and it, and it connected the, the most primal and foundational parts of the movement, uh, our movement foundation, to uh, a higher performance movement, such as a deadlift, you know, which in and of itself is a very simple movement. But, but if you're missing a base and, a, uh, and a, a foundation for your training, it becomes a lot more difficult. And uh, I mean, I can't think of a better example of 
something that you you would not see the uh, the benefit of immediately until you actually do it. And for those who know what I'm talking about, it's basically again like I described. You look over your shoulder and you keep looking. Uh, and as you're doing that, you know one of the things you start to notice is that your upper back muscles fire up like crazy. Well, they need to be working very hard in deadlift. So as well as the obliques, you need this the stability that you get from there. If you're if you're unstable, you you just can't lift as much. If your back is not working as well, or the muscles are not firing up as well, uh, this this is my takeaway from. I think this is one of the reasons why she didn't exactly say this, but um, but looking back, I can see why that would be the case. Uh, and so again, it doesn't look like the thing that it's producing, but it it produced an incredible result. So the frog roll, to me, the easiest way to explain the benefits of it is that it connects your torso from your armpit to your pelvis. It just makes you solid. Like exactly. it just ties it. Just everything in there just ties it together. I and, actually just. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say. I was going to say I, I just actually did a video for YouTube about how if you want to increase your striking and kicking power or punching power, do the frog roll. Um, it just so just amplifies your your ability to express strength and power. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, that's a really good observation. And it's, it's one that I've heard in a couple of different places, but, but applied to different movements. Like, um, like one of them, uh, many years ago, Pavel, uh, the founder of Strong First, he wrote an article about, uh, it was called the Fighters Pull-Up Program. It's a program written by some anonymous Russian, you know, presumably a, a karate fighter or something like that for increasing your pull-up numbers. And, and Pavel pointed out, he said, if you, he said, one look at Mike Tyson's back will show you how important lats are for a strong punch. And, and you really do need to have a good, uh, good connection. And the lats, I mean, they go from the armpit all the way down to the, all the way down to your pelvis, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. And even beyond that, you know, we talked about athleticism because, again, you know, strength is, is important. But if you have no athleticism, as we discussed, it, it, it uh, is extremely limited. You're basically like, that Knight Templar in, uh, in Last Crusade. Um, but uh, uh, Martin Rooney, who is a mixed martial arts strength and conditioning coach, has pointed out, and I don't know if this is proven or if this is just purely anecdotal on his part, but it makes perfect sense. He said that he's noticed a direct correlation between the number of pull-ups somebody can do and how, how fast they can sprint. And again, it makes perfect sense because, it, you know, you think about, like, you need to be able, like, pull the arm back strongly and uh and the faster you can move your hands this is something i learned from uh franz snydman who's a, a sprinting coach the faster you can move your hands the faster your legs will move yes for a variety of of uninteresting reasons it, it has to do with the fascial slings i think that connect that make our x essentially right That's so right yes so uh, and and this leads into in perfectly into another into another um rolling variation because the elevated roll is phenomenal for again being a role that you would not expect to have a, a super big impact on certain things but um it, it's it's also very good for the get up but it's really good for pull-ups as i found um i do them before every set of pull-ups i just do like two per side and i feel like i just float basically from the dead hang position to like you know chest to bar pretty much and um and I, you know, I'm, I'm always hesitant to say this is going to work for everybody, but I have started to get reports from other people who've tried it who said the same thing. There's a guy going through one of my programs right now where I include that as something to do before your pull-ups just to test it out to see if it works for you. And he said he definitely noticed the pull-ups got, got a lot easier. And, um, 
And so, so you think about this, like you want strong striking, you want a strong deadlift, you want strong pull-ups, you want a strong body. Well, think about what all these things have in common. You have to have a strong back, right? And your back has to be well-connected from top to bottom. And what is it that we do early on in the developmental sequence that fires up all the muscles of our back? It's head control. And rolling is head control on steroids, as I think it's even written in the, in the original strength manual. Yes. And, it, and that is not, not hyperbole at all because, you know, you go from just breathing to being able to move your head around. From moving your head around, you're trying to move from place to place. And so it, it really is running the show. Like you're only going to be able to roll and move in different directions if your head is in the game, right? And, uh, and the more you can control your head, the more you can start to control the muscles of your core, uh, which is something that, again, everybody uh, kind of seems to, um, uh, seems to know like intrinsically or be able to detect very quickly, but they, but I think we have a less mind muscle connection to the back. And so a lot of people have a harder time of activating these muscles. So why not use the body's ultimate cheat code and just use head movement, try to get the back muscles fired up. And, uh, it, it works like a charm and, and it has a huge impact on everything from pull-ups to get-ups to deadlifts, to sprinting, to striking and everything. So we just had a guy write in this week. He was kind of like a testimonial. He was saying he, he's loved OS and he, he believed in it. But there, no, no matter what he did reset-wise, he could not find the right reset to help him do squats. Mm. And he said, until now, he said he did the elevated roll and it was like magic for his squats. And he was, yeah. he was extremely happy. But the thing is, is it wasn't rocking that, that was helping his squats. It was, it was the elevated roll. So that's pretty neat. Absolutely. You know, that's the other thing, too, is I think a lot of people think of the elevated roll as being, you know, like kind of a fun thing. They don't really see what the what the benefits are. But if you do, and I encourage you to do this, do like 10 or 15 per side and see if your hips and your and your hamstrings are not like burning like fire. Um, I periodically will do something like that. And of course, you feel it in the upper body, too. And you feel your all the muscles between your shoulder blades. You feel your shoulders. But, um, but man, like, yeah, I, I will feel the sides of my hips, which are important for stability. Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, I feel the, the, the outer part of my hamstrings, which are, are not so easy to train uh, for a lot of different movements. And, uh, I can, I can definitely see that. Cause you know, you think like, uh, rocking, uh, is great. I, that's typically what I use for my own squats. I'll do a rocking variation, but if you don't have good stable hips, uh, and, and maybe you're good at this forward and backward, up and down kind of movement, but you don't have good stable hips. Um, it, your body is not just going to be like, oh, well, you know, you rock. So you get you get enough credit to be able to, to go down a little bit deeper. You know, like you, you got to find the thing that works for you. And that's that's a great one. So that's the thing that like the elevated roll hits those muscles that really would not get hit in a regular person's day to day activities, even yeah. if they were going to the gym. Yeah, absolutely. Um and uh, really, like, you know, the, the biggest benefits you get from squats is, is squatting deep, you know. And so if you don't really have the ability, you'll still get some benefit from it for sure. But, um, but the ability to move your, your joints to that full range of motion is uh, it's crucial. But, you know, this guy's story is a perfect example of why you just have to test things out. Because even though I say segmental roll is great for, you know, for Turkish getup and a variety of other different things, you know, you might find that you need something different entirely, you know. Uh, or it might be generally good, but you might be missing one little, you know, like key thing 
that it's like a gap that you need to fill. And this guy had a great example. You took a, a movement that you normally don't associate with practicing before or during your squatting training. Uh, and he, he turned it into a power tool to basically just, you know, get exactly what, what his body was capable of doing, but not able to do. Right on. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it was, it was a neat letter because it, it taught me a lot, you know, cause you get, I get kind of stuck in the rut. Well, how do I, what's a good reset for squats? Well, rocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that that wasn't the right answer for that guy, and he 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 reminded me that there are all the resets. The reset you need is the reset you need. So that was a good exactly. reminder. Exactly, exactly. And you got to know how to look for it. And he did the right thing, trying it, putting it to the test, and then uh, you know making it open there. So let me ask you. You mentioned this earlier, and you said you would get back to it. But just in case, uh, you said rolling is really good because it stimulates your skin or your. Mm-hmm. It helps with tactile stimulation. Yeah. What about that? Uh, so the uh, I, I learned this from a very interesting book called Original Strength. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's, Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. Tom Henderson, something like that. Something like it. Tom, yeah. He gets called Tom a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I believe. Uh, but the skin is a, your largest sensory organ. And... Uh, you know, people don't think of the skin as an organ. They think of it as like kind of like a wrapping, I guess. I, I don't know. It sounds like a weird I, – I, in both cases, it sounds weird. You it know? preserves you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just helps keep stuff from falling out. I have no idea. But, um, but, uh, it, but it plays a really crucial role in your health. And this is one of the, this is one of the strongest connections, I think, with, uh, with your overall health. Because there is a the movement aspect, like we talked about with the segmental roll and all these other different things. But, but one of the great things that you get with rolling – is the the st- uh, stimulation of your skin, and your skin has 640,000 sensory receptors that send signals to your spinal cord via 500,000 neural pathways. So, what this means, obviously, is that again, because we're kind of missing this mind-muscle connection, and but and tactile feedback can oftentimes help us to figure out what it is we need to tighten. Like anybody who's listening, who's ever taught somebody an exercise let's say the push-up, and they're letting their stomach sag, right? They might give like a gentle kick to the stomach, like tighten up your stomach muscles. Well, that tactile stimulation that they get helps them kind of learn how to brace for it, right? I mean, there are other elements that are that are important within that, but nevertheless, that, that's a big part of it. Um, and uh, and again, the back, we uh, most people don't have a great mind-muscle connection with the back because not only can we never actually see it with our own two eyes for the most part, um, Many people really can't even touch it because if they may just not have the shoulder mobility to reach back and Good touch, point. right? So, uh, in fact, actually recently I was having an issue with my left shoulder, and I when I would rock, I noticed that my left it was like like it was like it was turned off, like the the channel was just off, like on the left side, like none of the upper back muscles seemed to be working. So I went on my back and I kind of did this like crawl thing on my back that you might I think we did it actually in the first. OS workshop I went to and it was called yep. Becoming Bulletproof. We did this kind of crawling on your back thing. So I thought, well, let me try that. And I did that and lo and behold, like 80% of the problem went away. It was like wow. suddenly I like I was getting this stimulation on my the skin stimulation on my back and it, it was hugely helpful. But that's kind of like a specialized movement, but rolling it's built right in because if you're doing a frog roll or the segmental roll or really almost any of the rolling variations, I think the lone exception might be elevated roll just because, you know, you're you're kind of in a push-up uh, plank position. Um, 
you get a lot of skin stimulation and that that helps you to establish these uh, neural connections in your body so you can move and develop more efficiently. And uh, the lack of the stimulation can have pretty serious consequences. Like uh, in children who don't receive loving touch, like kids in an orphanage or kids who are, uh, you know, maybe neglected, they, even if they're fed well, this lack of skin stimulation has been, has been traced back to uh, developing symptoms of malnourishment, like a lack of bone growth, um, and, and a whole wide variety of other, uh, of other issues. And I know, I know that you're pretty familiar with the topic, um, but this is something most people just, you would never guess. Um, but you can, even though the ideal would be, you know, actual, uh, skin to skin contact, you know, like hugging a loved one or your friends. Well, I mean, you know, circumstances have made that in many cases, <laughs> not so likely right now. In um, a different world. <laughs> right, exactly, and you know, and if you live alone, like uh, you're, and you're, you've got maybe aging parents or something, and, and you're like, I, you know, I want to see them, but I also don't want to, you know, I don't want to put them in a potentially uh, bad, bad place. You know, it, it it can really have a negative effect on on our emotions, uh, on our uh, our sense of connection with others, and so even though rolling isn't like like. I mean, I don't want to say it's a replacement for that. At the very least, it's it's like better than nothing. And you're actually getting some skin, uh, stimulation on your skin by getting on the ground, by moving around. And, uh, uh, and, it, and it has a lot of other benefits uh, as a result. So, I mean, again, you're not going to feel like you're suddenly surrounded by your friends and family, you know, just because you're rolling on the ground. Um, unless you come from like a family of drunks and they were typically, you know, falling down drunk all over the place. Maybe you'll feel like, you know, I, I don't know why that would make you feel good, but perhaps it'll at least give you a, a nice, you know, Memories. yeah, exactly. Uh, remin <laughs> reminiscing. But, but the other thing, this is what actually I thought was very interesting is that skin stimulation helps to, uh, to stimulate the pituitary gland, which I am told is the gland of all glands and is important. The for master it. gland. The ma exactly. Uh, the master gland with the master plan and that master plan is uh, balancing your, your hormones and regulating them properly, uh, which includes anybody out there who wants to get swole slash jacked or ripped, whatever you want to call it, uh, somatotropin, which is a growth hormone. So skin stimulation is, is really, really important. And uh, now again, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to roll on the ground for 10 minutes and the next day you're going to be like you know, five extra pounds of muscle in all the right places. But nevertheless, it's, it's going to kick off a, a, a series of positive reactions in the body that are going to help uh, improve, once again, your, your health, your coordination, and your performance. Well, it does solve like a, I mean, rolling and stimulating the, the skin solves a, an information problem. So mm -hmm. the brain the brain's an information sponge, and it, it's craving information, and all that tactile stimulation that you do get when you're rolling does give it just it nourishes the brain but it, it helps paint a wonderful picture of where everything is the brain has incoming information so it has information about all those parts and it can see them it can recognize them whereas an average person's life if they just spend their time in a car or in a chair or just doing their day-to-day -day thing not getting on the floor they're not stimulating anything. So there's this huge gap or deficit of incoming information. So they don't move as well and they don't feel as good. And maybe they do lack uh, the master gland getting stimulated as well too. So the, the, 
the benefit is far reaching for all that stimulation that you get when you do roll. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, I like that we said that it's, your brain is like an information sponge and it kind of reminds me of, um, remember that old movie daredevil with Ben Affleck? Yeah. Yeah. You remember like he's out in a, like he's blind people who don't know the character. He's a superhero who's blind. Um, and, uh, he is like an acrobatic. He's just really good at using his other senses to make up for his, his uh, lack of sight. And I think there's a scene in there where it's like raining and, and he can, and he see. can use that. Yeah. He can use it to kind of like sense where he needs to go and what he needs to do. And I, I think this would probably be a good, uh, test to, to do with friends and family. Again, if you want to break the whole six foot rule, I suppose. Um, and maybe blindfold yourself and have them like, you know, take you into, uh, maybe either outside or, you know, move you around in a room. So you don't know exactly where you are. And then, you know, you start, and obviously you've got somebody who's making sure you're not going to trip and fall out a window or something like that, but start feeling around where you are. Right. And then using that information start, you will, you will immediately get an image of where everything else is in the room. Like, let's say you're in the middle of the room and you walk over and you touch your couch, you know, okay, well, my couch is in this this place. So that means if I want to walk to the front door, I've got to walk this direction. Or if I want to walk toward the kitchen, I have to go over here. And, uh, and you will just know, I mean, this is, uh, this is something that if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night, you know, to answer the call of nature, for example, you might have to feel your way around in the dark. Uh, Oh, the waterfalls. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe you feel a bookcase. You're like, okay, so now I know I have to move slightly to the left and then I'll be at the door or, or whatever. Um, and even without being able to see much of anything, or at least if you sleep like I do, I, I keep all the lights off, you know, completely. So there's nothing ambient or anything like that. Um, and then I keep my sleep mask on. I admit I sleep with a sleep mask and I don't like to take it off in the middle of the night if I do have to wake up, but that's what I do. I just kind of feel my way around. I use this tactile, uh, feedback to let me know exactly where I am. And then I can move relatively unencumbered because I just know the next turns I have to take. Right. Whereas if I if I'm like an inch off, I might hit the door frame, you know, and uh, and what have you. But um, but it, yeah, that's very true. And this is something that people can test on their own in real life. So now you've given me an idea for another experiment people can do. So if if you want to test tactile stimulation and how it can help you move better and you're not afraid like to, can you know, if you you're not afraid to hug someone, you should like. You could test your squat or your toe touch and then go hug somebody for like 15 seconds, mm. give them a big squeeze and have them rub your back or whatever. Like they're hugging you back, of course, because it's a mutual hug and then test your squat or toe touch again. I'll bet you move better. Yeah. Don't do this in a grocery store. Don't do it. No, 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 no strangers. <laughs> exactly. That's stranger danger right there. If You're not going to last 15 seconds or something, no. something will happen. No, but that's actually, that would be very interesting to see, uh, test it out before and then after because uh, I, I do think that, you know, again, the movement component of uh, of these rolling variations is obviously very important. But I, I definitely think that the just how much skin is on the ground getting tactile feedback at one particular time plays a huge role in in how you, um, you know, how well you move overall. I think it's it would be similar to like uh, walking barefoot versus with uh, very padded shoes. Yes. Um, and actually a great example of this is a number of years ago. I was in Australia um, uh, to teach a workshop, and my host was a guy, maybe you've heard of him, Pierce Kwan. Pierce? Uh, 
Peter, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, sorry, Peter. Oh, no <laughs> um, but uh, but we were walking around uh, by the beach um, with our with our shoes off. We we're walking on the sand and on the sidewalk, and he made a good observation. He said, "You know, when you walk with your with your shoe, just in bare feet, it's like I, I'm doing this now, and I can feel my hamstrings actually working. And it's not like they're you know roaring like as if you were sprinting, but he can feel them working. He's like, I can feel." You know, the, I can feel my calves, I can feel my glutes, I can feel my core. And, uh, and again, and that's just a very small surface. It's just the bottoms of the feet. Now, obviously, the feet have a lot of uh, these, these uh, sensory receptors, um, mechanoreceptors, as they're known. But nevertheless, it's, it's a small total surface area, but it has a big impact on what you feel in the rest of the body. No, it does. And it's amazing how, how, what a difference it does make. And it feels good. Absolutely. And feeling good feels good. Always does, <laughs> Alex. This is this has been a really uh, this has been a great talk, man. I appreciate you coming on the show with us. Yeah, well, thank you for having me back. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. So, if you want to learn more about rolling, Alex wrote a tremendous article that is uh, on our website, originalstrength.net. And if you want to know more about Alex and his Turkish Get Up program, Alex, where could they find that information? Well, the Turkish Get Up program is right now locked away in a secret vault, kind of uh, like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. There are a lot of Indiana Jones references here. Uh, yeah, but it, but it will make a comeback. Uh, I'll bring it back around one of these days. But um, my email list is where uh, it's where I'm most active. Like I do post stuff on social media, but I have a daily email list where I drop little nuggets of wisdom and knowledge on a routine basis with my dry sense of humor. If you're not into dry senses of humor, uh, probably isn't going to be the email list for you, but <laughs> if you like, Tim likes it, <laughs> but if you like uh, kettlebell training and bodyweight training, and of course, you know, plenty of talk of OS and how to apply it to these things. Um, I do actually, no, I do have a program actually, uh, my eight week kettlebell and bodyweight challenge. Um, and I have a link, we, uh, I'll give you the link. You can put it in the description. Um, right and that would, I mean, again, it's a free, it's my most popular program ever it, and it contains elements of bodyweight training kettlebell training and os and there is a turkish getup uh that plays a, a pretty central role and uh yeah and it gets you on my email list so it's again it's uh it's all pretty easy to do alternatively you can also go to my website alexsalkin.com um i've got lots of uh, great free material there like old articles and blog posts and things of that nature so if that is the kind of thing that you are into, I would uh, I would highly recommend checking that out as well. And we'll put that in the notes of the show as well. Cool. Alex, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation with about Indiana Jones and rolling and all other things cool. Yes, it was my pleasure. I'm, I'm always happy to drop uh, pop culture references wherever possible. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Original Strength Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Original Strength Podcast.